Welcome to the Mount Olive Baptist Church podcast. I'm Pastor Carl Stokes. We appreciate you being here today with us. Our desire is to preach the Word of God effectively and clearly so that you can understand God's desire for you in your life. Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Ephesians chapter 5. We've been... Uh, steadily making our course through the book of Ephesians and we come to uh, another passage of scripture in Ephesians in which Paul is, is trying to share with us how we should live, how we should walk, how we should conduct our lives as Christians. And so we want to look in, uh, with uh, interest at what uh, God has for us and we need to remember that while uh, Paul was the earthly vessel that uh, God used to write these words. Uh, it is the voice of God that speaks to us. So let's uh, lift our hearts in prayer uh, this morning as we prepare ourselves to hear from God. Dear gracious Father, Lord, we come to You and we pray for Your mercy, Lord. We, we are not worthy to be in Your presence. We're not worthy to be in this place. We're, we're not worthy of, of Your great love. And yet you pour out your love to us as though uh, we are worthy, as though we are deserving of your great love. And it is because of the work of Jesus Christ in our lives and in this world that, that affords us this opportunity. And Father God, I, I just pray that you would help us to come to you with a humble heart this morning, that we might uh, listen to your word and that you might instruct us in how we should live. And Father God, that you would enable us to uh, to set aside the things of this world, set aside the, the concerns and the, uh, the frivolity of this world. And Lord, help us to, to focus upon you, to allow our hearts and minds to be uh, in tune with you this morning as you seek to, to draw us ever closer to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Ephesians chapter 5 is where we are now. Uh, you, you recall as we have been making our way through the book of Ephesians, we've been looking at all the different things in which God uh, has desired for us to understand about our Christian walk. Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus. He's sharing with them uh, about... Uh, what does it mean to be a Christian? What does it mean to, to live a life as a follower of Christ? And the reason that, uh, that he's doing this is if you recall from all the way back at the very beginning of our study of Ephesians, that there were people who were tainting the message that Paul had given. They were uh, distorting God, uh, Paul's message to this group of people living in Ephesus. And so uh, Paul was endeavoring to write this letter to help them to, to be set straight, to help them to get back on the course that he had laid out for them when he had established this church on his missionary journey. And so Paul is uh, seeking to do his utmost to help them to understand uh, in the first three chapters, Paul dealt with uh, at length uh, what God's desire was for their life. He, he's, he laid out to them that God has a threefold phase of God's plan and purpose. If you remember with me, he said in the past, in, in the eternity past, before God created anything that, that ever existed, before God even said, let there be light in Genesis 1, uh, God 
predestined that we would have a relationship with Him. Now, that doesn't mean that you don't have a, a, a clear uh, choice in how you would live your life, a clear determination of how you're going to live. But what God did was is He determined from the very beginning, before time even existed, that you would have the opportunity to have uh, an, a relationship with Him, that you would have the opportunity to set your sin aside, that you would follow after Him, and that you would be able to love Him as He loves you. That is what predestination means. He set aside, He set into course actions in order for you to have that opportunity to have that love relationship with Him in spite of your sin. That He determined from the beginning of time, before time existed, that He would send His Son to die on the cross for your sins. That He would send His Son to take upon Himself a sin who knew no sin so that you might have that opportunity to have a relationship with Him. So He predestined that you would have a relationship. Then uh, uh, in the present, He determined that you would be redeemed uh, by that precious act of Jesus Christ. And and in the present, (coughs) your relationship to God is is that after you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that that God would work in you to redeem you, work in you, to work uh, your relationship into uh, that which God desired for you to have. You see, when God created the heavens and the earth, He put man and woman in the garden, and that was perfection. That was what God desired. God looked at that at the beginning of time uh, when He created all things, and He said, that's good. He said, this is what it is intended to be. This is good. But what happened was is that sin entered into the world and distorted that and destroyed that and uh, changed that forever. And so as you are uh, redeemed, as you accept Jesus into your heart and life, and as you live after your... Uh, the reason that God doesn't just take us from uh, this world into the next when we accept Jesus Christ into our heart and life is because God is working in you His redemption. He is working in you to create in you the, uh, the perfect individual, the perfect creation that He desires for you to be throughout your life after you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And then in the future, He says, my plan for you is, is that you would inherit the inheritance of Jesus Christ, that you would be uh, joint heirs with Jesus Christ, that you would inherit uh, the, great, the greatness and the wonderful uh, bounty of God's love and the bounty of God's blessings in all of eternity in the future. And so uh, we see this threefold plan. And then as Paul comes to chapter 4 of the book of Ephesians, after he lays all that out in the first three chapters, we've seen in chapter 4 and chapter 5 and then in chapter 6, we'll see how God is helping us to understand how we're to live out what it means to be a Christian. We understand God's plan in the first three chapters. Now in the uh, last three chapters, uh, God is laying out for us through His servant Paul how we should live that. And we come now, uh, where we are right now, is uh, chapter 5 and we're looking at verse 15. Uh, We've got uh, just a few verses and we're not going to... Unfortunately, we're not going to get very far in them because of all the things that we have to say. But he says in verse 15, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil, 
Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And so, uh, what we are looking at today is uh, the fact that when we live outside of God's desire for us, when we live outside of accepting Christ as our Lord and Savior, when we live outside of a relationship with Jesus Christ, we're living, as it says in the Psalms and in Proverbs, uh, Proverbs, uh, if you want to turn with me for just a few moments, uh, turn back with me to the book of Proverbs. The book of Psalm and Proverbs, we're going to look at a couple of verses, uh, verses there. And in Proverbs chapter 22, verse 15, it, it kind of lays out for us what is it like to, when we deny Jesus Christ. It says, uh, uh, Proverbs 22, now in the book of Proverbs, uh, King Solomon is writing out uh, his wisdom. He's giving. Uh, he's writing out in these uh, chap- thirty-one chapters about what does it mean to be wise. And, and you recall at the beginning of, of Solomon's reign, uh, God came to him and said, "What is it that you want?" And Solomon says, "Give me wisdom, Lord." says, I have a daunting task of of leading your people, of being their king. I, I'm unworthy to be the king. So please give me wisdom. And God gave him a greater wisdom than any man had ever uh, since and uh, ever before and ever since. God gave, out, gave uh, Solomon a tremendous amount of wisdom. And part of what Solomon did was he wrote uh, the Proverbs. He wrote part of... Uh, uh, he wrote of Ecclesiastes, the Song of Solomon. Uh, he wrote several things, many things that we don't even have uh, but he wrote those things so that he could pass on his wisdom. In Proverbs twenty-two fifteen, it says, "Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him." He says, uh, "If you want to be a uh, like a child, if you want to be a simple uh, individual that has no wisdom, no understanding." You can be like a child uh, and live in foolishness. He says foolishness is like uh, living your whole life like a child. Now we've got some people that uh, uh, it seems like they're tra- trapped in their childhood. They uh, they tend to do a lot of the things that they did as little children, even as adults, and uh, they uh, play all these little video games and they get wrapped up in in all this stuff that's uh, that's related to uh, childishness. But uh, what what Solomon here is writing about is more than just simply uh, being a child. He's talking about foolishness and and uh, we see in Psalms chapter 14 verse 1 it says uh, King David said the fool says in his heart there is no God uh, uh, he says in his heart there is no God and so uh, the first thing that we have to understand is, is when uh, uh, the people of this world and we look across the things that are happening in this world and and, and I look at influential people like uh, uh, people on uh, TV and, and in radio and in the movies, uh, they, uh, they tend to always get to the point where they want to claim there is no God. In fact, uh, uh, Oprah Winfrey's famous for saying that there are many ways to God, that, that all the different ways are like uh, different paths up the same mountain, and God's at the top of the mountain, and, and uh, Buddhism, and Hinduism, and Sikhism, and, and, and uh, 
uh, uh, Muslim, uh, 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 being a, a Muslim and being all these different things, a, a Christian, a Jew, and all these different things, they're all leading to the same place, to the same God. We just call them, uh, she famously said, we just call them by different names, but they're all the same. My dear friend, if you look at any, for any moment at what all these different faiths profess, and you will see that they are not. They may use the same, a similar word. They may use a word that means God, but they do not mean in any sense of the word the same individual. My friends, let me tell you, a Muslim will tell you that God uh, is at the end of the point of a, of a sword or a spear, and they will force you to accept uh, Allah uh, and they will feel as though they are vindicated and they are rewarded in heaven if they uh, eliminate your life if you don't choose God. The Hindu says that God's in everything and that God is, is even in you and that God is all throughout. Now this is different from a relationship with God in which you invite uh, God into your heart and life. They're saying that you are God. My friends... No one, no one can say that all of these different routes, all these different religions profess the same God, just in a different way. The fool says in his heart in Psalms uh, 14.1, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, the things of God are foolishness to man. The things of God without, uh, without God intervening in your life is as foolishness to the natural man. The natural man says, look, I don't want to have any of that uh, to do with that with God because it just seems foolish to me. It just seems uh, 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 simple and, and uh, it seems so uh, unusual to just simply be able to say to invite Jesus Christ into your heart and life and they can't accept it. And Proverbs twelve fifteen. Turn to that one uh, since you're already in Proverbs. Proverbs 12:15. It says, "The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he that hearkeneth unto counsel is wise." The way of the fool is right in his own eyes. What he's saying here is, is that not only does the fool say uh, to himself that there is no God, and look, you, you look at most of Hollywood out there and those people that are on the left of the, uh, part of the country uh, that, <coughs> that are caught up in the Hollywood scene, and you'll see almost a, a, to a T, almost 100% of them, uh, they uh, go out there and they begin to profess, their, well, there is no God. They're a bunch of fools. And then they say, well, uh, what I determine what's right and wrong. Uh, that might be right for you, but this is right for me. A fool says in his heart in Proverbs chapter 12, verse 15, they're right in his own eyes. He makes his own rules. He denies God and he believes his own God. He creates His own God uh, in His own image. He says, I know what's right. There isn't a God out there that tells me what is right and wrong. There's not a God out there that tells me that I'm doing the right thing, that I'm uh, doing the wrong thing. Uh, see, they eliminate God first and foremost so that, that there is no ultimate authority. 
And we've been learning about this on Wednesday nights in the book of Revelation uh, and uh, where we are specifically in the great white throne judgment. Uh, we find that there's a lot of people that at the end will say uh, that Jesus is Lord and they'll, they'll bow the knee to God because uh, they'll be forced to, to uh, acknowledge that He is God. There's a lot of people that they're foolish to thinking that there is no God and they're foolish to make their own God and their own image. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 9. Turn over a page to that passage. It says, Fools make a mock at sin, but among the righteous there is favor. Uh, when you are a fool, not only do you say there's no God, not only do you make God in your own image, but then you mock sin. Because if there is no God and you're the God that says what's sin and not sin, you mock those who say there is sin. And boy, don't we see that. We have people mocking people all the time for saying, oh, you ought not to, to have all those rules about whether or not you'll go to dinner and uh, not have your wife present if there's a lady there. Or a lot, of, I, I tell you, when... Uh, when I was working for the newspaper, I, we had a conference in North Georgia and, and we were supposed to go up there and spend several days at that conference and uh, we had a, a lady that was selling advertising for us and, and I, I told her, I said, listen, it's just, it, it'd be just me and you in the car. I, I, I told her, I said, you're going to find your own way up there because I'm not going to ride up there in a car by myself with you for four or five hours to North Georgia. I said, I, I won't do it, especially with us checking into a hotel for, for two or three days. I, I don't want that impression being that we're going off together. She said, well, nobody would think that. Just look at our age difference to begin with. I said, I don't care. I, I, I'm not going to do it because just, it just doesn't look right. People in the world, they mock those kind of actions because they think it's silliness. It's silly to uh, live a certain lifestyle of trying to do the right thing. And fools mock those who adhere to their Christian walk, Christian lifestyle. Then, uh, and what that is basically is an elimination of sin's consequences. A lot of people out there in Hollywood, they do that because they're doing a lot of sinning out there and they're doing it uh, supposedly uh, for their art. They're doing it for their uh, uh, occupation of, 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 of portraying things in the movies and television. Let me tell you something. I, all the trash they're putting out there, I just assume not look at it uh, personally. They can just quit pretending to do all those things. I'm not going to look at it. I don't want to see it. But they eliminate the consequences of sin so, so it makes themselves feel better. It makes a, and the fool says in his heart, look, there's no God. I'm, I'm, the, I'm the one that determines what's right and wrong and, and I'm going to mock those who say the, certain things are wrong and in doing so he eliminates the consequences of sin. You don't have to fear uh, uh, the wages of sin is death. And you don't have to listen to the fact that the gift of God is eternal life if you don't think that there is any consequence for doing what's wrong. If you don't think there's anything wrong with sin, then you don't have to worry about its consequences. Then 
Proverbs 15, verse 2. Look uh, on the next page. The tongue of the wise uses knowledge or right, but the mouth of the fool pours out foolishness. Fools share foolishness with others. They teach others foolishness. They try and uh, they not only appease themselves by saying there is no God, they also uh, make themselves feel even better by saying, well, if there's no God, I can say what's right and wrong. Thirdly, they, uh, they make themselves feel better about uh, all the wrong they're doing by mocking those who, who say certain things are wrong, taking away the consequences. And fourthly, they share it with others so that, uh, uh, that they're not the only one living that way. They want to tell all, uh, everybody else how to live because they are living a lie to themselves. They teach that foolishness to others. Then look uh, at the next page, uh, Proverbs chapter 16, verse 22. What does Solomon say about uh, that? Foolishness, He says in verse 22, Understanding is a wellspring of life unto him that hath it, but the instruction of fools is folly. The instructions of fools is folly. Fifth, uh, fifthly, they uh, foolishness and those uh, wrapped up in foolishness leave a legacy of others. They teach it to their children. They teach it to others so that they uh, not only perpetuate foolishness in others by teaching it to others, but they have a legacy of sharing it with others. Now, in Proverbs chapter 1, Go back a few, and you might want to underline this one because it's, it's uh, Proverbs chapter 1. Solomon begins with his instruction about what it means to be wise by saying this famous verse, and if you don't already know it, you probably uh, have heard it before. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So if you don't want to be a fool, if you don't want to be foolish, first of all, you need to have the fear of the Lord. And what that means is not that you're scared of God and you're running away from Him, but you have a reverent for God. You have a respect for God, a fearful respect of God. You love God and fear Him uh, and doing what He's called you to do. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 20 says uh, uh, what God has done. He says uh, He portrays wisdom as, as if it's a person. And He says, Wisdom cries out, and she utters her voice in the streets. She cries out in the chief places of the concourse, in the openings of the gates in the city. She uttereth her words, saying, How long, you simple ones, will you love simplicity? And the scorners delight in their scorning, and the fools hate knowledge. Turn you at my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you, and I will make known my words to you, because I have called and you refused. I have stretched out my hand, and no man regardeth. But ye have set at naught in my counsel, and would none of my reproof. I also will laugh at your calamity, and I will mock when you fear uh, when your fear comes, when your fear comes as desolations, and your and your destruction comes as a whirlwind, and when distress and anguish cometh upon you. 
Then will you call upon me, but I will not answer. They shall seek me early, but they shall not find me. For, they, uh, for that they hated knowledge and did not choose the fears of the Lord. They would none of my counsel, and they despised all of my reproof. Therefore they shall eat of the fruit of their own way and be filled with their own devices. Let me tell you something. What God is saying here is, uh, through Solomon is, is look, God loves you so much and He doesn't want you to be the fool. He doesn't want you to live your life in foolishness that He's like a, a, a woman out in the main concourse of the city, out in the city square, out in the midst of all the people, the hustle and bustle, and she's crying out to you, please come in. Please understand my counsel. Please hear my words. Understand what I'm trying to share with you. Don't die as a fool. But because they do not listen, because they continue to reject, because they... And listen, this is not just one uh, one time hearing and rejecting. This is time after time after time. They reject the, uh, the wisdom of the counsel of wisdom. They reject over and over and over again the cries. And look, at the end of this, they, uh, it, it's made clear that who is talking, it is not just a woman out in the concourse of the city. It is God who's crying out to them. Because he says, in the end, when you refuse me over and over and over again, I'll, I'll just turn myself away from you because you've denied me too long. You've taken upon yourself to understand wisdom and you're going to die a fool. And he says, when you continue time and time again to refuse me, you will die because of lack of wisdom. You will die because you have not listened. 2 Timothy 3.15 is a scripture that a lot of people are aware of. It's a very famous passage of scripture as well. And Paul is admonishing Timothy because he has sat at the feet of his grandmother Eunice and he sat at the feet of his mother and they have poured out God's wisdom to him. And he says, look, you know wisdom. You know what wisdom is because you have listened and you have studied. And he says, "Thou, you have known Scripture. Which, and uh, scripture, The reason you are wise is because they have taught you Scripture which are able to make the wise unto salvation. Salvation brings wisdom. Salvation is the way in which you receive wisdom. And in doing so, when you accept Jesus Christ into your heart and life, when you accept uh, Christ in you, and you are a student of of Scripture, then what happens is the exact opposite of the course of the fool. You don't deny God. You say there is a God. You not only say there is a God, you, you claim God as your God. You don't try and be your own God. You say you give your heart and life to Christ and you give yourself completely to Him. And so not only do you, uh, do you acknowledge the fact that there is a God, but you also take Him as your God, as your Savior. And you don't seek to make your own rules. You follow after His rules and decrees, His instruction in your life. And in doing so, you don't mock sin, but rather you uh, 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 deny sin 
entrance into your life. You uh, do everything you can to stay away from sin. And then you share with others. It's called discipleship. You share with others what it means to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And then you leave a legacy of wisdom because you share that wisdom with others and you tell others about Christ. It's the exact opposite of the pathway of the fool. Well, let me just share with you a little bit about why we're talking about this foolishness because uh, Paul here is, is admonishing the church at Ephesus and back in Ephesians, if you want to turn back there, uh, we're done with uh, uh, Proverbs. If you want to look at Ephesians, where we are, he says, so, see then that you walk in wisdom. He's calling you to walk in wisdom. Whoa, whoa. Uh, what do you think of when you think of wisdom? Well, in the Greek, uh, Greek mind, you would think of wisdom as philosophy. If you were, if you were to go and uh, talk to uh, a Greek, they would say, well, Aristotle and Socrates and all those others, they're uh, people of wisdom. They, uh, and they instruct in philosophy and they uh, 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 talk about theories of how uh, the world and the universe works. But in the Hebrew mind where... Uh, that's who Paul is trying to talk to is the Hebrew uh, uh, understanding of wisdom. Their understanding of wisdom is much different. It's not an understanding of philosophy, of how you live your life in, in a philosophical sense, but they look at wisdom as a way of life, a way of living their life. They look at wisdom in terms of uh, a lifestyle. And so uh, that's what Paul is trying to express to us today when he's talking about wisdom. He says, remember we talked about uh, at the beginning of the instruction in chapter 4, he, he told us that we're to walk in love. And then as we kept on going, uh, not only do we walk in love, last uh, time we talked about this, we talked about walking in the light. The light is, is truth, the light of Jesus Christ. We are to walk in love, we are to walk in truth or the light, and today we're walking in wisdom. He says, you're different, you're not like the world. And for that reason, because you've given your heart and life to Christ, as a Christian, you ought to walk in wisdom. You ought to walk in a wise way. You ought to walk differently from the world. The believer knows three things. And these are the things that we're going to talk about when we look at this passage of Scripture. First of all, a believer understands and knows life principles, the rules of life. A believer understands what the rules of life are and how we're to live it. And then the believer also understands that we have limited privileges. That we have limited privileges. And what that really means is, is that we have a limited time in which to live out those principles and to accomplish the work of God. And then thirdly, we understand the Lord's purposes. The Lord's purposes. What God wants for our lives. What God wants in our lives. So he says in verse 15, he says, See then that you walk circumspectly. See then. Uh, uh, that see then phrase is like a therefore. And you remember what we talked about uh, when we said whenever you see therefore, you go back and you 
uh, look at what he has explained up until that point to understand what he's talking about. He says, when you get saved... You're to walk wisely. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30 says, When you get saved, God gives you wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. He gives you all four of those things. Look at, look at uh, 1 Corinthians. Right before Ephesians. 1 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians. 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 1, verse 30 is where this is. You might want to underline this one because it's a, it's a doozy. It says, But of Him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us, what? Wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. When you get saved, God pours out these four things upon your life. <coughs> Excuse me. God gives you wisdom. He gives you redemption. He gives you sanctification. And He gives you um, uh, righteousness. And what you need to understand is, is I believe that when you get saved, God gives you wisdom, a certain wisdom that comes with having a relationship with Him. He gives you wisdom in order that you might understand how you should live, what you should do, and how to live that life. And in doing so, He helps you to have a righteous walk, to live a righteous way. And in doing so, He works His redemption in your life and gives you sanctification. Uh, and it has to flow in that that way, you have to receive uh, those uh, things in that order. God has given you wisdom, and that wisdom leads to righteousness. That righteousness leads to sanctification, and that sanctification leads to redemption. Colossians 2 3 says, Christ is in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. When you accept Christ into your heart and life, you don't have to live 10, 15, 20 years as a Christian in order to become wise. You don't have to be saintly with white hair to, to gain wisdom. As soon as you accept Christ into your heart and life, you receive His wisdom in your life, and He begins to help you to understand the treasures of His wisdom and knowledge and allows you to, to live a life of righteousness. You are completed in Him. Colossians 2 verse 10 tells us that when we accept Christ into our heart and life, not only do you know Christ who understands and knows all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, but you are made complete in Him. And so in giving your heart and life to Christ... You are complete. You are made complete. Titus chapter 2. Turn there with me. This will be the last place we turn to somewhere different. Titus, Philemon, Hebrews. So if you find Hebrews, go back a little bit. Titus chapter 2, verse 11 says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men. Look what it says. Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God 
and our Savior, Jesus Christ. So he says, when you accept Christ into your heart and life, you... But you need to understand that you receive His salvation. The grace of God brings His salvation. And when you receive His salvation, He teaches us how we should live a wise life. That we should deny all the things of this world. That we should deny ungodliness and worldly lusts. And that you should live not like you used to, but live soberly. Live according to God's plan and desire. Live according to His pathways. Live righteously. And godly. To live according to what God has done and look for the coming of God. You see, when we uh, become redeemed, we become possessors of wisdom. God gives us wisdom. God enables us to have His wisdom when we accept Him as our Lord and Savior and we become redeemed. And, it, and it, He also gives us a hunger for that which He has given us, uh, that wisdom that He has given us. First uh, John chapter 2, verse 20 says, When you were saved, you received an anointing from God that touches all uh, who touches all things. You received that anointing from God to receive His wisdom, to receive His righteousness. And then God teaches us how to live in Him. If you follow down to 1 John chapter 2, verse 27, He says, He teaches you how you should live, how you should walk, how you should be able to overcome the things of this world. He teaches you how to grow in your wisdom. To walk as the wise, as Paul puts it. As you grow in Christ, you'll have this desire to, be, uh, to grow more and more in His wisdom. He allows you to have a greater understanding of His wisdom. What does John, uh, James say in James chapter 1, verse uh, 5? He says in James chapter 1, verse 5, If you lack wisdom, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask God and He will give it to you. He will not withhold it. You simply have to ask God for greater wisdom. You want to uh, stop making the same mistakes in your life that you always make. You want to stop uh, going round and round in a circle all the time doing all the same uh, uh, things you used to do that you know that are wrong and you keep doing them. Ask God to give you wisdom and how to live. Ask God to give you wisdom and understanding how to live the righteous life. To walk as He calls you to walk. To live daily to conduct your life daily as He calls you to do, to have a daily pattern of living according to His desire, to daily live out your life as He desires. Now, let me close on this. All of this about living life as a fool and about living life in wisdom is all about whether or not you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. But can you be a Christian and live your life as a fool? Well, sure. You can lose your pathway. You can lose your direction. You can lose your understanding of, uh, of what God has in store for you, what God wants for your life. You can get disillusioned with your Christian walk. When you, are, uh, you live your life as a fool, when you do not believe in, in Jesus Christ, but as a Christian, you can live your life as a fool if you uh, stop living your life as a Christian. As you stop living as though God is the Lord of your life. As Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. You live your life as a fool when you live in disobedience. 
That goes for someone who is saved or not saved. You can live your life in disobedience as a Christian or as an unsaved person. But the only difference is you know better. You know better than to live that way. We live lives as a fool when we begin to desire the wrong things in our life. When we desire uh, uh, the uh, things of this world, when we desire money and lust of the things of this world, when we desire power, when we desire possessions, when we desire the things that are contrary to what God wants us to desire in our life, we're living our life as a fool. So listen, if you want to be a fool, just go ahead and believe that there's no God. Live your life in disobedience. Live your life desiring all the wrong things in your life for you and do the wrong thing. That's living a life as a fool. You can do that as a Christian or as an unsaved person. But if you want to live your life with meaning and significance, if you want to live your life with purpose, if you want to live your life as God intended for you to live and predestined from the beginning of time for you to live your life, trust in Him as your Lord and Savior. Give your heart and life to Him. Live according to God's desire. Follow in obedience to His Word. Study His Word and understand and know the desires of God's heart for your life. Study His Word Understand His law for your life. Understand God's direction by knowing His Word. And then do the right thing. Live your life in the right way. Live your life according to God's purpose for you. Well, I know we didn't spend a whole lot of time in Ephesians today because we talked a lot about what it means to be a fool and what it means to be wise. But we'll catch up on all the things on how to live the wise, uh, a life of wisdom. Normally I don't uh, skip around all that much into all those other Scriptures, but all of Scripture is uh, good for reproof and direction, shows us how we should live, and uh, gives us direction and understanding of why Paul is writing what he's writing. And we need to understand God's purpose and plan for us. We can't live a life of foolishness. We need to live a life of wisdom, of understanding God and a right relationship with Him. Let's pray. Dear Gracious Father, Lord, we praise You and we thank You for Your great love. We thank You for Your goodness to us, allowing us to have the opportunity have a relationship with You. Lord, we pray that You would help us to live and abide in Your ways, to live according to Your purpose and, and desire. Lord, help us to walk in wisdom. Help us to live according to Your will. Lord, I pray that those who are hurting, those who are in need of Your great love all around us would come to know You as Savior and Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.